The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. And today we flip the script a little because I am not your host today. I'm actually the guest. Yes, one of our previous podcast guests, Faith Fuller, wanted to interview me for my own podcast. And you may remember our deeply resonant conversation a few months ago. And since the last time you heard from me directly was in episode one, which was back in 2019 when we actually started the podcast, it seemed like an interesting idea because a lot has happened since the inception of Sacred Changemakers. And not only has my work evolved massively, but my own personal growth has too. Because in many ways, this feels like a deeply personal and transformational journey. So what follows is a conversation between myself and Faith as we explore the continuously emerging vision for Sacred Changemakers and how leading this brand and doing this deeper, more purpose-driven work in the world has really shifted everything for me. Faith asked some really deep questions and I found myself saying things I haven't really given voice to before which seems to be happening more and more as we dive deeper into what it means to be a sacred change maker in our world. Now, I'm not going to read out my bio about myself because that would just be weird. So if you're interested and you don't know me, go take a look at the show notes. Everything's in there. And I'm just going to say that I feel really grateful to have had the opportunities and the career I have. And it would be nothing without the amazing clients who I have partnered with along the way. So I hope this dialogue inspires you in some small way to think about your own life, maybe your career or your business and your leadership, and perhaps discover the part in the jigsaw of humanity that you, my friend, play, and how you can help shape a better future for us all and for the generations yet to come. And before we get going, I do want to give a huge shout out of love and gratitude to Faith Fuller, who, despite living with stage four cancer and knowing viscerally how short our time on this earth is, has volunteered her time freely to be with me, to talk through what I feel is important and to shape this conversation for all of you. Thank you, my friend. So without further ado, let's start the conversation. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Now, today we have a very different kind of episode because it's not me interviewing a special guest. I am the guest, and our host today is Faith Fuller. 
So I am going to be handing over the reins to Faith so that she can interview me and um, we can really dive into sacred change makers and potentially my journey and uh, what it means to me, this brand, which is very personal and very dear to my heart. So let me hand the microphone over to Faith. Thank you so much, Jane. And I'm incredibly excited because um, how many change makers episodes have you done you know dozens yeah oh over 120 something like that exactly (laughs) exactly and yet when I heard heard that no one had given you that opportunity if anybody is a sacred change maker it's you so I'm honored to be able to facilitate just your sharing of some of your journey and You know, I know one of the ways you often start when you're interviewing somebody is to ask them about their journey uh, to becoming a sacred change maker. And I want to give you the opportunity to just touch on some of the most uh, critical places where your life took a turn Mm -hmm. and helped you to find your way to this, which is part of your work in the world. So start us out. What are some of the the uh, different turns you took in your life that influenced you to be here today? Mm. Wow, it's interesting looking back because one of the things I want to say before I go into the turns is that, you know, when I was in the turns, I had no idea that this is the path that I was on to get here and how incredible that this is where I find myself today. But I think the first thing to say is that um, I'd always wanted to start my own business. And during my first marriage, that wasn't something that was amenable to my husband. Um, He didn't want to take the risk. And so I never managed to do it. And then in 1997, very suddenly, he left when uh, uh, my uh, two daughters, Gemma was five years old and Katie was literally six weeks old. And I'd just come out of hospital because I'd had retained placenta. When uh, he told me that he was leaving, he was done, the marriage was over and he was moving on to another woman. And um, although that kind of, that was one of the hardest parts of my life because Katie was so young and Gemma was still so young and I never in my wildest dreams wanted to be a single parent. It was also the catalyst for me starting my own business. And although I actually was a CEO at the time working for a university in the UK and um, if I was on maternity leave, uh, but I knew I was in a, an executive home. He walked out and at that time there was no way to make a, an absent father pay. And so he never gave me a penny after he left. And so I was left with the executive home that was really meant for two salaries, two professional salaries. I had cars on the driveway, including his car. Um, and he just left me with all this mess as well, like debts to deal with. And I had a thousand dollars in a thousand pounds in my bank account. That was all I had. And I put it down as a deposit on a, a Regis office <laughs> um, and um, decided to go back, secure my maternity leave, which I had to go back and work for two months. I think it was to secure my maternity leave. Otherwise, I'd had to repay the, the British government. So I did that. 
And then the other thing that happened was I had golden handcuffs. So when I left the university where I was running a, a consulting agency for them, um, when I left, I wasn't able to work within, I can't remember whether it was 100 or 150 square miles of where the university was situated, which oh, plunged wow. me directly into London, yeah. <laughs> basically. That was yeah. the nearest city outside of the radius that I wasn't allowed to work within or solicit for clients within. And at the time, that felt awful because, like, I'd got two young kids, I had to go to London. But what it did was it, it projected me into the European and the global market very quickly. I got really iconic companies as clients like Disney and L'Oreal and wow. Eager and Virgin and all of these kinds of people, which really helped me, I think, put some ground underneath my consultancy. Now, I yes. had no idea what I was doing in some ways. It was like riding a wild elephant, but we we turned over, you know, really good money really quickly. And unfortunately, I didn't see my girls very much, but I had got them in great childcare. But it that was my starting point into self-employment and realizing what my potential was and how I could inspire incredible change in people and organizations. And that really was the beginning, I think, of my journey here. Yes. Second trauma <laughs> was um, uh, then remarrying, lovely, to an old friend, uh, Nick, and um, getting pregnant on our honeymoon, giving birth and sustaining a massive medical injury that nobody understood, was misdiagnosed for a year and made me bedridden for three to four years uh, on morphine and lots of opiate medication, lots of surgeries, nothing worked. Finally told that I was going to die by 2011, 10 years from the date of the original injury. And um, again, that brought me to my knees. And dealing with that, that was the integration of my two worlds in a way. Like I'd been on a spiritual path for many, many years. But I'd also got this business school, rational, scientific mindset with my degree, my master's degree and leadership and all of that. And coming back to work after my own healing, because somewhere inside of me, thank God I've got a background in psychology, somewhere inside of me, I realized that just because the doctors had said that to me, you know, that was the best they could do from their education but it wasn't necessarily how my story had to end. So mm -hmm. I was willing to then explore other options. And remember, I didn't I didn't have an infectious disease. I didn't have anything that was well-documented. And it was obvious they really didn't know a lot of things and they were just kind of making leaps into different things. And when I realized one of the things they were comparing me to was car crash accidents um, where people had, had become paraplegic and had lost their bladder, the bladder is always the last thing to come back. Even if people learn to walk again, the bladder usually is the last thing to come back. And I have a bladder, kidney, and sp spinal cord problem. So when I realized they were comparing me to paraplegic research and then saying, well, you shouldn't have any pain. Well, of course, paraplegics don't have pain <laughs> because they're, you know, they're numb from the waist down or whatever, or the neck down or wherever it is. But that wasn't me. And so yeah, dealing with the, the the medical profession and not being believed for so yes. long about the wow. depth of pain I was in. It and adds a whole new uh, level of injury when it really you feel does. Like we're not believed. And something, you know, you and I have talked about how 
the, the world is not always gentle with change makers. In right. fact, it's your hard. path was full of, it was a pretty rough road. And how do you think about that in terms of, and I know quite a few change makers that have been through, uh, you know, quite traumatic events, difficult events. How do you see the world playing with leaders, with change makers, with yourself around um, forcing change? It's really interesting because one of the first things that I've learned, I think, through my life is I haven't learned anything from the success. Right, <laughs> successes are just like they just—they're here, they go. It, it's amazing at the time. Don't get me wrong; I've had some amazing peaks in my life, right? But I don't learn anything from them. All of my—I oh, I, I just gotta say—I from the just, trauma. I can hear, I can see, hear hundreds of people out there going, "Oh, you know." <laughs> but, yeah, it's, so it's true. true. It's yeah. So true. Say more. Say more. It's so true. And so when I, when I, the, the big shift for me, there's another shift that I, I, I want people to know is that, and I think this is kind of a part of maturity in life as well, which is, you know, I started with a career and then I had more of an aligned career with what I like to do. And then I started with a business and I had a purpose driven business, but now I have a calling and it's changed everything. Right. And where does the calling come from? Well, the calling yeah. comes from really understanding what matters most to me in my soul. Before the world started waving at me and telling me who I should be, right, and socializing me, there's a Jane beneath all of that. And that part of me has been very quiet for a lot of my life. While I've been busy being a mother, you know, and growing the kids and making sure that everybody around me is all okay. And then my clients are okay and running the business and getting the performance and making sure we've got cash flow and all of the stuff of life, right? And so getting back and reconnecting to that essence of me that part of me that's been hidden and even healing the wounds from all the traumas, you know, right from childhood that we all get right the way through having the heartbreak, but not just pushing it away and putting it in a box on a shelf and going, well, I don't like that. So I'm going to leave it over there, but diving into it and being with it and really learning that when I feel the worst that I can ever feel, whether it's grief or pain or anything, it's okay to be in the pain. It's okay to be with the pain. And that means I can be with others' pain. And that means I also develop the capacity to be with the pain of the the world. World, yes. But it's not an easy place or an easy thing to be in relationship with. I think it's very challenging. And so the essence of a sacred change maker, I think is having that capacity to be with. Yes. Well, and there's a, you know, one of the things that we talk about uh, is something called lion's roar, uh, which is a Tibetan concept that, Uh, unconditional confidence comes from knowing that whatever arises in your life is the beginning of something trying to happen. Mm. Uh, And um, what does it take? Do you think, as I know, you you know, when you are, as you mentioned on your knees, 
mm. from something that has been dealt to you. What does it take, do you think, to hold that faith, to not give up, you know, what, yeah. Mm. Do you know, if I'm honest, when I've been on my knees, I haven't really felt the faith <laughs> in the early <laughs> stages of it. I've yes. actually had to go down to, and you and I have talked about this on your podcast earlier, I've got to go down to the death space. Yes. Because it's almost like I have to confront the very worst, the annihilation, not just death, because I actually believe there's something afterlife as well. So it's almost like the complete annihilation of who I think or me or my purpose or whatever this is. It's like I... I, I let go of everything and just kind of be with the idea that nothing mattered. It didn't matter. It, it's gone. Whatever it is, it's over. It's done. It's done. And then now what am I left with? And that's a little bit further into the grief for me. It's like I have to just be with the awful pain that's emanating and spinning inside and looking out at life and feeling desperate and not grasping or reaching for anything external but just being with whatever's going on internally and quite honestly faith that can take from you know a few hours to a few months (laughs) even (laughs) years right depending on it right but it's only it's allowing that faith to emerge rather than thinking, I need to be optimistic. I need to have faith. I need to do something different. Oh, yes. It's, it's not about a stiff upper lip. No, it's no. not because that's where I go to. That's what I was taught in my childhood. Like you just pull your socks up. You just kind of stick a smile on your face and you fake it till you make it. Yes. Well, no, I've learned that actually that's that's just storing up trouble for a later date, right? That's what well, it feels like to me. I think you're also talking about how surrender is necessary. Mm. Uh, not having the answers, not not, not knowing, not knowing. Beautiful, not knowing. not knowing, and that is so hard, especially if you're a doer, especially if you're yeah. a change maker. Uh, and you and I have talked about how identity uh, sometimes needs to be decimated yeah. before the new growth, you know, can occur. And, you know, it's so funny as I talk with you, I'm noticing that stripes are coming in through my, uh, my blinds and I'm striped. And if we (laughs) use that as a flirt for a moment, how does dark and light and dark and light, you know, what, if we played with that, what do you think? What's Well, you see, there's a deeper metaphor for me as well. There is the dark and the light, but in my plant medicine journey that I took earlier this year, the hope, the light was a tiger that came to me. So you're my tiger here, <laughs> leading me through, leading me through the shadow in a way to really come into the fullness of my being. And I'm beginning to think that's what life's all about. Like, and for me, of course, that's sacred change maker and service to the world and helping to, you know, make the world a better place or whatever through my work. But ultimately, I think it's a piece of me becoming whole. Yeah. What does that mean, being whole? It means 
being fully expressed in the world, I think. I think mm. as women, or as a woman, I'll speak for myself, as a woman, I think, growing up in England, I've, I, I learned a very specific, quiet way of being. Like, little girls should be seen and not heard, right? Mm. Yeah. And yet, you know, coming into the business world, then there's a very masculine identity that I, I kind of unconsciously adopted to be successful in business and lost my femininity at that point. So if you put me in that part of the world in an earlier part of my life, you would have seen a very masculine, scientific, data-oriented, data-driven kind of Jane. And it's only really since my grandchildren were born that this, this, this more softer feminine side of me is starting to find its way back. <laughs> um, and and so I could look at it in terms of the energies, the, the masculine and the feminine, but I'd also like to speak of it in terms of consciousness and, and the way that, you know, a lot of people in the spiritual space talk about ego death and going beyond the ego. And, and I think that's right in terms of developmental terms, but in terms of the way that we live our lives, I think every level of consciousness is important. So for me, it's living from the full spectrum and being able to meet people of all types, shapes and sizes, you know, where they are and not lose myself in that relationship at the same time. So yes, I'm fully expressed, but I'm also meeting the wholeness in them. So yeah. not being triggered which of course is an easy thing to say and not an easy thing to practice with some people, but really understanding what's my stuff, what's your stuff, what's happening in the relationship in between us. And so it's living life fully and with a whole aspect of myself to that life. And of course that for me feels like becoming and being very aware of what's happening externally as well as what's happening internally which in yeah. itself is a practice I've had to cultivate and still do in every moment because <laughs> yeah. I'm startled how much I'm not present in life, but um, to this day. And so it's learning what, what feeds my soul. Gosh, I, I'm beginning to think that's what it comes down to. What feeds my soul. And, 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 and for me, that is a lot of relational aspects with other people and being able to help and support and serve and inspire and all those things are so important to my own soul it, when the wholeness of you that we just discussed uh, and I also hear you talking about the integration of polarities masculine feminine business you know private and uh but when the wholeness of you can meet the wholeness of another person mm. what becomes possible Hmm. Oh, it's magic it's like I mean I I would use the word resonance because it's like full vibrational resonance which means you feel like you've met someone you may be meeting them for the first time but you feel like you've known each other for years right I had it with you when we first met and it it it's interesting because for me that's a very easy space of flow and resonance where it's more challenging for me is when I meet someone who isn't able to say like match me or, or show their wholeness because they, they're still got edges and I mean, we've all got edges but they still got unhealed trauma and it's like I feel it it's like I can 
see it almost in their field and and it's trying to create resonance where on one side of the relationship there's a lot of dissonance for whatever reason or maybe that's me on my side you know I'm not saying it just happens to others it happens to me too there's times where I show up and I'm funky and you know my edges are showing for whatever reason so I think that's the real challenge is with wholeness when you've like for many years I'd had glimpses of it and now I'm trying to bring it into more of a sustained practice and a way of living and I want to say it's not easy either it's I I don't know that I I wouldn't say I've nailed it right and I don't know that you can ever nail it because I think it's going to take a lifetime of situations and everything changes all the time I mean change is the only constant we have I think in many ways yes and so yes. you never know what's coming next and that in mm-hmm. itself learning to live in the unknown I don't know and being okay with that which a lot of us are being flung into and in these times particularly you know we're kind of piercing the veil piercing the illusion so to get back to your question the wholeness for me, I think of it at a systemic level, because of course we all live in nested systems. <laughs> so, like, really, what does wholeness mean? And I think that's why it's so hard to really answer, because to be whole feels fleeting still for me, because the systems and the the environments and the organizations and the way we've constructed life as humans is trying to make us not whole in so many ways. I mean, you go on social media and the adverts are there telling you, you need this thing or else you, you know, you're going to die if you don't buy their product. And, yeah. and then you drive down the motorway and there's billboards trying to shoot messages at you about you being less than or not enough, or you've got to get this dating app, or you've got to, you know, be a Christian and find Jesus, or you've got to do this, that, and the other. All these messages are bombarding us all the time. It's no wonder we've got suicide rates and mental health, you know, at the highest rates they've ever been. Yes. Like, why don't we create a world where we we put the ground beneath people's feet we show them their own intrinsic value and we have an environment and a world that we live in that embraces that like yeah. a part of me just doesn't get it like what yeah. the hell <laughs> well you know sometimes i think uh i think of the world as being like um you know a, a puzzle and everybody's got a piece yes and when I don't have resonance with somebody, their piece doesn't fit very well with my piece. And, and that, that's not a problem. Their piece fits someplace else, you know, uh, but that we don't have wholeness because we have to get to the whatever the big wholeness is going to be. And every one of those pieces has a piece of that wholeness. And um, but I can't do it. All I can do is work with my own internal system, all those internal voices that tell me stories. Right. But I I agree with you. It's like. I think we are striving for that wholeness. And I think Mm. uh, we're struggling to find where does my piece fit with that piece? And, you know, and how, what do do I do about the piece over there that doesn't fit with me at all? (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think that's a challenge of our times in many ways. And, you know, and, and and the question really is for me is, and for sacred change makers is how do we show up whole? in environments and systems and with other people that are traumatized, they're broken, 
you know, their edges are on show, they're playing attack and defend, because that's kind of what we've been educated to do to each other, because yes. we're hyper-individualistic, particularly here in the West, in our cultures, yes. is that it, it's me, 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 right? Yes. And yes. if we don't do that, then we're going to sink, because we, we, we're taught this at school, if, you, if you're not top of your class, then you're not going to get very far. You're going to go and work at McDonald's, right? <laughs> that kind of message. And it's like, we've got to win. We've got to win. And, and we've got to win in a way that other people fail. And it's just a human construct. Yes, yes. Well, I wanted to check in with you also. Um, I know you're in what change makers do, which is at the next sort of transformation uh, as you evolve as a person mm -hmm. and a leader. And what do you see, what's the vision coming up in the future for you, for change makers? Well, um, the vision is very much aligned with um, creating a better world, I think. Creating a world where we learn to live as humans in resonance with ourselves, with each other, and all living things, right? And that feels that feels the way I would like the world to be. And, and I'm gonna own it as a, a thing, but it also feels like the right thing. <laughs> you can hear my socialization coming out, but it feels like the right thing. And so this vision that I have, when I look at the world, so that that was the starting point really for change makers. And and then realizing that I downloaded this uh so I'm a channel an intuitive channel as well which I don't really share very often but I'm an intuitive channel and in May 2019 I downloaded a message that was unlike anything I'd ever downloaded before it's called a sacred invitation um and I'll pop it in the show notes for people um but this was like an ancient story of people that had come to earth at this time to really evolve the consciousness of humanity and change things around almost like we were at an apex. And at first when I, so I channel and then I don't know what I've channeled and I have to kind of listen back afterwards. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, like what am I supposed to do with that? And it felt like my purpose, which was the starting point for Sacred Change Makers. And it felt like um, bringing the sacred back, that word sacred, back from organized religion or wherever else it had gone and bringing it back into mainstream. And when I started playing with the word with clients, so I'd be working with like a, a C-level exec or something and, and, and they'd be dealing with all kinds of issues. And one of the, the things that came up for me for that was what's, what's the problem, right? That's what we do like as consultants, as coaches, let's help somebody overcome the problem. <laughs> But the problems started to show themselves as consciousness problems <laughs> to me, right? So it might have been conflict in the team, but I was like, well, if this I see it through the lens of consciousness, then what? So this word sacred became something that if I said to a leader, well, if you considered your leadership to be sacred, what would be different? Whoa, all wow. kinds of things tumbled out, right? All kinds of things. Because we see life and career as transactional. Many of us do. Like it's performance-based, it's profits-based. Let's give the stakeholders what they need. But when we start to blend in this calling, like what if? 
And then this almost magical energy starts to come into leadership and organizational life, which I was like, wow, we need more of this. It's like we've lost our soul, right, in modern world, not just in organizational life. I think that's a place where we can see it. But when I downloaded this sacred invitation, I was then, well, how? what am I going to do with this? Because it was like, well, it's my purpose. And then I thought, well, maybe it's somebody else's purpose as well. So then I started sharing it and people were like, oh. Like I, I am that. So then Sacred Changemakers was born. And what it ultimately means is I looked out into the world and I thought, how can we make the biggest impact? And I think the biggest lever for change we have is not politics. I think it's business because we, we live in a business world. We're all like, you know, doing business with each other every day. Even if I'm just a consumer going to the supermarket, buying my groceries, coming home, it's still business. Business is kind of like the pivotal thing. It's also where the power is. It's also where the money is. And so I'm like, we need to be changing the world through business. And so that's the conversation that a lot of sacred change makers are engaged in is how do we expand? Because when we go to things like coach training school, we come out and we've walked through a very narrow door of what we think human change is. So if we've done gestalt coaching, we think it's gestalt, you know, we've done something else, we think it's that. But very often, and this is in a way one of my bugbears with the industry, is that I feel we need to walk through more doors of human change (laughs) so we can do sustainable change, right? Not just a quick fix change, let me fix you, but let's actually give people the capacity that they can actually continue to grow and evolve even long after whatever change initiative has ended so for me then it it was really about how do we how do we raise consciousness how do we elevate how do we bring the soul back and the sacred back into all things because when we do that and we're okay with the unknown and we don't keep we go beyond the intellect for me into the spirit or the soul of all things, we're naturally inclusive. We don't want to have power over people when we're in that level of consciousness because we see the interconnectivity of life and all things. We don't want to go and chop the Amazon rainforest down just so we can make a quick buck, right? Because we realize we're living in an ecosystem and we honor the soul and the life in all things. That's a very different way than the way we've constructed business today. And yeah. so it's regenerative. We've got to, we're seeing the cost of what we've done now. And my big question is now we know, what will we do? So I love what you're saying. And it's a very brave thing that you're saying too, because you uh, know that historically business has been over here and the sacred is like anathema. You know, what has that got to do with it? And it's woo woo and weird and makes people uncomfortable. And, you know, it's a it's about the biggest edge you can cross with leaders is, you know. So what it, first of all, how have you worked with that with people? And I'm also going to be looking for how would you advise other change makers on being having the bravery and wisdom to know how to bring the sacred into business? Hmm. You know, and I do want to say this was something I struggled with for well over a decade in my career because I used to, this is what I used to do, I used to like uh, market and sell 
to the solutions that people thought they needed. Yes. <laughs> and I then I'd get into the organizational life <laughs> and, and then and deliver what they really needed. And then we get down to do the real work, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when you say it's brave, it kind of strikes me as I don't know, interesting because it doesn't feel brave. It feels like the only thing I can do now. It's the thing I can't mm. not do. Ah, and the other thing I'll say is that since I've been doing this, and it's a very personal mission for me because of, and I'm going to say why, because of Phoebe's birth. When Phoebe, my first granddaughter, was born, I was at the birth and um, overcome very quickly by an overwhelming sadness and uh, didn't know what it was, unpacked it and realized this is not the world I wanted to bring her in. And she, it made me question my entire career because had I actually made a difference? I've been in this industry for 30 years, but had I made a difference? And I was looking at Phoebe in my arms and thinking, no, I haven't made any difference. Here's this, she's multiracial because she's got a British mom, she's got a Peruvian dad and, uh, and she's female. And she's coming into this world. Is this the world I want her in? No, it's not. It's not by a long stretch. It's not the world I want her in. So it feels very personal. That's where I get to the thing of the thing I can't not do. I want to be able to say to Phoebe, I did everything I could. This is the calling that you That's the calling. So when you say that it's brave, I can't not do it. I, it's the only way to do it. And then the other thing for people to hear is, the more I've done it, the more I've stepped off the edge, right, in this space, the more I've done that, the more I've realized that people, some people will say, no, that's not for me. You're just like a bit too woo-woo, woo-woo, right? And then then when we're having coffee afterwards or something else is happening, they'll come up and they'll whisper, this is exactly what I need. This is what I've been thinking about, but I haven't been able to say it. And we need you in this organization or I need you to coach me, to help me. So this is where I think I've been blessed with the traumas because if I hadn't have had the degree of trauma I've had, would I have been broken open so many times that I am like, it's almost like you call it brave, but it doesn't feel brave to me. It just feels like what I'm here to do now. And yeah. the path, the, the the anticipation of having that conversation with somebody is much, much worse than actually the reality, <laughs> right? Yeah. And when you yeah. have it, people surprise me all the time. I get people calling me up that like four years ago were like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Like, I like no, like what do you mean sacred change makers? What the hell, right? That's the, been the reaction. They call me up and they go, I get it. They, I just get this phone call and they go, I get it now. I get it now. I'm ready. Right. And it's like, it's core, it's primal. Soul and sacred is primal. It's a part of us. It's yes. deep within, but it's so buried from our socialization. Most of us don't know. Yes. It's and I, where I want to stand with you is I feel that so many of the ills of the world, you know, the loneliness, the, the, the hatred, the sense of, you know, being wrong in the world with nature, you know, so many of these things come from a lack of the sacred, you know, the sacred feeds the soul. So I love what you're saying. Yeah. And I so appreciate 
that it's such a simple question. In what way is your leadership sacred? You know, or how would you phrase it? Phrase it because frankly, all of us out there want to steal that question. <laughs> well, it's just what literally if it's one of those what ifs that we play a lot with as coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, which is, you know, what if you considered your leadership to be sacred because it has to be your choice it can't be somebody else telling you so what what would be different if you considered this to be sacred whether it's your leadership your marriage your relationship your business your career your children whatever it is what would be different if you considered it that way and to me that shifts everything and that's why that's the power of sacred change makers. Because when I started the brand, I had so I was in a mastermind. So many people said, Oh, I love the word change maker. Yeah, definitely use that, but don't use the word sacred. You can't do that. You can't do that, especially not in business and organizational and corporate life. You can't go in yeah. with that. And I thought, oh no, maybe I can't. But yeah. I can. Yes, you can. <laughs> and you are you are leading the way. And you know, uh, I just want to check. There are so many things we could talk about. This is so rich. And I also want you to know, I just feel moved. I feel moved because I can feel the flow of the sacred here. And uh, I hope others can too, who listen to this. And um, you know, you have done so much about bringing other people's wisdom into the world. And we've all learned from that, We're grateful. But oh my Lord, Jane, we've opened up a door here and there's so much, you know, what have you held your own podcasts as <laughs> sacred? I want to challenge you there and, and your transformation. There is so much that you have to say and there's so much wisdom in it. And so is there anything else we should touch on before we go for this particular podcast? I think the only other thing I want to say is that I realize my value in this lifetime lives beyond my life. So what I mean by that is the realization that I am an ancestor for the generations to come. The realization that I inherited a world that the ancestors before me and all their genius constructed for me. That I'm just kind of like this dot in the middle of this generational or generations of humans coming through so we've been socialized a lot to think in short-term ways and my belief is that the long game is where it's at and so thinking about what kind of an ancestor will I be how will I take care of the world and the planet and other living things so that that generations to come will also have the benefit and enjoy that, right? Yeah. So it's a very different way of being because now it's not just about me and my career and my life and my business or my kids and their life or my grandchildren even that I've had the, you know, the honor to me, but it's yeah. their kids and their kids and then on it goes. And the indigenous people talk about, you know, in tribes all over the world, they talk about seven generations, yes. you know, taking care of seven generations. And so when I think about that word sacred, that's what it means to me is yes. how will I live a life that can add value 
so that you know in that I don't know I can't remember the name of the guy that said it you know when you when I leave this world I want to leave it better than when I came in that feels so resonant for me today I kind of get what that means now in a way a visceral way that I didn't before yes so yeah think a little longer realize the shoulders of giants we stand upon here Sacred change makers is just my little contribution, you know, mm. and I don't even think it's mine in a way. Somehow it came to me and I'm doing something with it and then it'll no doubt move on and evolve as an idea and be something else in the future. I hope yeah. so. But it's just mm. a dot in time. You know, as Carl Sagan said, we live on a little blue dot. dot. <laughs> and then we're an even tinier dot on that dot. Yeah. And yet we think we're so important. We're not really. <laughs> but what we can do and how we, I think the how is way more important than the what. Let me say that. And well, I think we've elevated the what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Tell me more about the how. So the how is when I've looked back at my clients, I've had clients like, like my clients generally do really well after working with me one-on-one. -on -one. And I've been looking at, yeah, but what are those clients that are the unicorns that just like do phenomenal? Like I had one client went and did $448 million more. I mean, she was a big uh, C leader of a uh, EMEA uh, group, but even so that, that was the, that was the ROI she gave me. And the first thing I said was I didn't charge you enough. <laughs> But yeah, so it's like what what is what what makes the unicorns that really not just from a financial perspective, be, but also from a like a her living her life and expressing herself fully and really being in flow, right? What what is the difference? Because I can do the same kinds of coaching with two different clients, and they can have vastly different results. Oh yes, yes. So what's the difference? And I've learned it's the how. And the how for me is the energy. It's how you show mm -hmm. up to life. It's what you believe. And because what you believe creates your behaviors and your decisions and what you will and won't do. So mm -hmm. who you are being and who you are becoming is everything. It's mm -hmm. everything, right? Because yeah. if I have two people and I give them the same whatever to go and do, one will do it one way and one will do it another way. And, you know, if I put them in the polarities, one so one person could do it in a very relational kind of emergent kind of conscious way. And the other one could do it in a, an intellectual, theoretical, here's the data-driven push kind of manipulative, this is what we need to do and we're going to do it and I'm going to make sure you do it way. And, and of course, we know the one that's really successful. And we now have the data to show that that level of leadership and purpose and inspiring meaning and inspiring leadership in others, <laughs> even when they don't have a leadership position, actually yes. creates so much flow for an organization. We now know that they outperform 14 to 1. Yes. Okay? The others. But that seems yeah. to be because the power base or the 1% or the 0.1% don't want that message to get out there, then... We're still stuck in this polarity paradigm. But I believe this is the time of integration. So that's the how. Do it with yes. love, not fear. You know, some yes. interesting cliches we have spinning around at the moment, but love, not fear would be a big one for me. Absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and 
you know, I think we're at a pivotal time. Yeah. And I think that how, how do I want to show up uh, more than what, you know, what do I need to do? Right. It's not just what do I need to do? It's how do I need to show up? And I'm, I, what I love about sacred change makers is it's very much the idea of how do we evolve? How do I evolve? How do you evolve? How can I help, you know, in that, you know, where should I leave you alone and, and just, you know, figure it out. Same thing with teams, level after level of how do we evolve? And I think that's what your podcasts do. And I think that's what you're doing. And I want to thank you. Thank you so much for your work. Can't wait to see what comes next. Oh, Faith, thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for asking if you could interview me. Because I, <laughs> I don't think in a million years I would have ever thought of this. But it has been such a joy. And I, I really honor our connection and our friendship. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And I, I you know, I hope there'll be more. I suspect there will be more. Uh, so <laughs> I look forward to it. Well, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.